and try it. Man. Hallelujah. You know, for me, it's it's always real serious. God, what do you want to speak to the church? And, and uh, today I think I could go in, in a lot of different different directions, even what's coming up on, on Tuesday, which is going to impact our nation. You know, the, the final day of whether or not this country is going to raise its debt ceiling. And uh, I want to encourage us that we need to be actively involved with what's happening. Praying. And uh, even into the point of writing letters and be involved. Don't don't take a back seat. Things are going to move forward. It's going to affect our lives, and, and we need to be praying and um, about these things. When I was sitting, just to say, even contemplating that you know the nation and things, and you know we've been lulled into a place in our nation. I think are kind of the frog in the kettle. You know, there there there's this unwritten or there's a law that says that uh, for most of us in America, you know. We survived yesterday, you know, with its ups and downs. Today was pretty much like yesterday, so therefore tomorrow is going to be just like it was today. And, uh, and for a lot of years in our nation, we've seen that. It's been okay. But things are changing, and we need to be ready and praying. Um, we could be in for interesting times. But we don't fear. We, we're not supposed to fear because our trust is in Him. We're going to cover that a little bit this morning. But to, even as we, we were doing that, and, and just in the subject of raising the debt ceiling, you know, I, I, I was somehow, maybe God was just giving to me, of likening it to our sin. And when we are in the midst of our sin, we don't raise the sin level so that we can get out of our sin. We need to deal with the place that we're at. And, uh, you know, I don't think raising the debt ceiling for a nation is going to be a good idea. Just as much as we don't continue to sin in order to get out of our sin, we need to deal with it. And with Christ, we deal with our sin that way. Um, this morning, though, that, that, that's not where I want to go. We're going to continue on in Hebrews this morning. And uh, I'm excited about everything that God is doing and stirring up in my heart and, and bringing me to a fresh place. I've been getting those seasons where you're kind of in the valley or, or not feeling the freshness of the Spirit in these pulling me out and that's just part of the, the life but I'm, I'm excited about what he's doing this last weekend Friday and Saturday Christian said we just celebrated our 25th year youth group reunion and uh, that was a lot of fun we, we got five years of youth group uh, from 1986 to 1991 and uh, all those who attended youth were invited to come and that's why the Gators are here they were part of the church starting back in the 80s and, and we're here for a number of years and Anita was part of the youth group with me missions trips, Hollywood trips we got to do a lot of things in, in the youth group and we got to see some wonderful videos last night or the night before laughing all the things we did it's a great time of getting back together as family and that's what's something that happened we realized we haven't seen even even spoken to each other in Fifteen years probably since the last time I, I even spoke with Anita, other than a couple times recently on Facebook maybe. Um, but, you know, when she came, we're, we're family. It was, it was getting reunited again, and that's what God does in our hearts. And it was just great to see them and, and gather together with some of the saints, some of those youth who were uh, silly, 16-year-olds together. And uh, remembering, so, of course, Anita and Anna, two of the girls, they... Uh, 
they had to TP Tracy's car. Tracy was our youth pastor, and one of the things we we always went out and TP'd houses and stuff. And so they got the, they TP'd the car and came in on Friday night and silly stringed the whole group, and we felt right back at home in youth. It was a, it was a lot of fun. We got to see some videos with, with uh, just a few of us in here. We got to see slave auctions. We did slave auctions and all of these. Uh, all of these places where we met next door, we looked in the videos, and this part of the building wasn't even built yet in our youth videos. This was built in 1989, and the videos we were watching from 86, 87, 88, we were doing services next door, and, and uh, Pastor Jeff would just, I mean, he's got a lot of hair, but he had a lot of hair <laughs> then. And it was just this, we, you know, we're going to get some of these pictures up, and we'll, we'll bring them in. And uh, it was just, just a lot of fun to go back and look at those things. And uh, and so it was great, you know, the, the Gators that came all the way out from, from Virginia, Anita came out from Arizona, another guy from Arizona, and, and had a good time. But this morning as we're going into, what does that have to do? It actually does have to tie into our, media, our message this morning. Um, we've been in the book of Hebrews, we are coming to a close. And I am not going to officially close out the book today, though, though we may, this may be last week. Next week we're going to hear from Pastor Aaron De La Borda, I believe. We're hoping. It's coming from Mexico. Much can happen when you drive from Mexico City. And so we want to, we're going to pray that they make it a safe trip, he and his wife, and that there's no problems that they make it here for the Sunday service. We're going to hear from him uh, next Sunday. So be here. We're going to, it's going to be interpreted. And it uh, should be exciting. But, so we've been spending our time in Hebrews. And this morning we're in Hebrews 13. And Hebrews 13 closes out the book for us. It gives us some... Uh, Final encouragements and instructions at the beginning. And, and if your Bible's uh, got topics in it, in my mind says concluding moral directions for a few verses. And it goes on to say concluding religious directions. So it talks about moral directions and religious directions. In my Bible, the next pre- section is prayer requested. And here's, here's the writer of Hebrews requesting prayer. Prayer works. It's an important part in there. And then finally, just the closing, closing part final greetings. I like the, the, the part in Hebrews here that at the end of this letter, um, in verse 22, it says, And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, if this is a letter, that's not that few of words, in my opinion. But uh, it's definitely not a text, nor a tweet. Um, it, it, it's more than a Facebook post. Uh, it's definitely quite a letter, but it says, Bear with the word of exhortation. And that's what I, I want to start the message saying. Let's continue to remember that which we learned in Hebrews and bear with the word of exhortation as we go on. This morning, though, we're going to back up to verse 1. And I was praying, God, what do you want to speak in Hebrews chapter 13 this week? And Hannah, um, she's in an internship right now from Biola. I don't know if, if we've talked about that. She's a... Uh, her, her major is, what's it officially called? Music and worship. And so she is doing an internship this summer back home at Christian Center. And so she is learning about every aspect of worship. She's we did sound classes, learning about leading worship. So this week, one of her, her tasks was to pick out the worship list. And uh, getting to know Hannah much better this time when I left, she was just a little squirt. And uh, back in 2002... Um, she takes things very seriously. She's passionate about God, and she takes it very seriously. She called me early in the week, which if you ever want to know what the message for the week is, don't call me early in the week, because I just don't know. 
And she called me and says, I, don't, I need to pick out the worship list. What are, you, what are you going? I says, Hebrews 13, I don't know. So she spent time there. God, what are you going to say to him? And maybe it's this and maybe it's that. And, and uh, she says, but it's probably not brotherly love continue. Because that's just, you know, and that's where God brought us. So this morning we're going to talk about let brotherly love continue. The very first verse. And that's not where I thought I'd go either. I read through that and going, that's just, that's so simple. And let's go on. Let's look for something deep. Let's look for something meaningful. Let's look for some wow. And God brought me back to let brotherly love continue. Lord Jesus, we go into the word this morning. We need your anointing. God, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. In our lives, the yoke of bondage, God. We pray that none of us would be in here under any type of bondage. God, even as we talk about brotherly love this morning, Lord, there, there will come up issues maybe in our hearts where we're holding ought against somebody. God, we pray that you would break through in our lives. God, show us how we might love one another more deeply. Open our hearts and our minds and our ears this morning, God. We need you. We pray a blessing on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It says, let brotherly love continue. So that means in Hebrew, you know, for these Hebrew Christians, brotherly love is in place. He didn't say get some brotherly love, you sinners. He says, let it continue. And so there's a measure of love already going. And so as things continue well, they grow and they get better. And that's the word for us today. I believe in this church, brotherly love is here. When I think of Big Bear Christian Center, I, I know that there is an amount of brotherly love that's present and exists within our congregation. And so this word is for us today that it needs to continue. We have love for one another and it needs to continue on. We need to experience it more and more. And the world needs to see true brotherly love. The world needs to see true brotherly love at work in the lives of Christians. Too often they see discord in the body of Christ. New believers need to see and experience this love when they come into the family of God. When they come in, new believers, those who, who haven't known Christ, when they come into a, a fellowship, a congregation. I hate to use the word church because we, too often we think of the building. But when they come into the family, the church of God, they need to experience and see that there's real love happening with one another. You know, gangs are prevalent and getting worse and worse. And the reason why is because there is a type of family that gangs have. And if anyone in here has ever been involved with any type of gang, they know that there's, you know, once you get into the gang, you're, you're part of the gang. And they're going to watch you. They're going to protect you. It's a false family. It's, it's, it's a substitute for what God wants us to have in our lives. And because maybe we haven't done the best job in the past, people are looking elsewhere. So believers need to see and experience the love so they can become a part of their life as well. So what is brotherly love? What does it look like? And in order to find that out, we, we, we can't just look at today because it's written, written in, in Hebrews 13. It was written in a certain place. When we call someone brother today, we view that phrase through the lens of what family relationships look like today. And looking out here and knowing some of your stories, I don't want to be loved like you love your brothers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, we don't always have the best family relationships. Sometimes we're estranged. And we don't want to look at this message, this, this word from God, through the lens of what we look at it today. Because when it was written, there's a context that it was written in. To truly understand the implications of what Jesus wants us to understand when he refers to someone as a brother, or when one of the New Testament writers uses that term, brother, like Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. We need to understand what the relationship looked like in the first century. Because that's when he says, 
love each other like brothers. Well, what did that look like? What did that look like then? Very different than now. Back in, in the, in the uh, first century and, and before, it was the time of Jesus writing, or Jesus living in the writing of Hebrews, the culture was known as what's called a strong group culture. They were built in family units and it was very strong. We live in a very independent, individualistic society today. But then families ruled. It was very important. And the patriarch family unit, you can see it even through the Bible, the patriarch ruled the family. And if you were connected through the bloodline of the father, this is just kind of a cultural social studies moment. You were connected through the the patriarchal bloodline. And so when dad had kids, all those kids, because they were the blood of the father, they were connected and they were super, super connected. If the if the one of the sons went off and got married, his children were connected to the patriarchal line. But if one of the daughters went off and got married and had kids, those kids now became part of her new husband's line. Does that make sense? So that's just kind of the way the culture worked. Now, when that happened, let's say you have the, uh, the father and the mother. And they, have a, and they have four kids, two boys and two girls. And you know, the boys all get married and have kids. The girls get married and have kids. Well, the, the girls' children, they're not part of this family as much. They're part of this guy's family. But the, the daughter of the original father is still connected because she's blood of the father. Very, very connected. In this time, she is more connected to her blood family than she is to her husband. And that was the culture. She was more connected to the bloodline of brethren. When you had a brother, you were there the whole way through. An example is with Anthony and Octavian, who became Caesar Augustus. And, and this is, uh, you know, I'm just, just you know, reading a story about this. We're going through a book just recently. And it was great to, to hear this. So I'm, we'll need to set this up quickly. There was two people in Rome and they were fighting. They were at war. Caesar Augustus, who was actually at, at the time called Octavian, and Mark Antony. We know the story of Mark Antony and Cleopatra and all that. Well, Mark Antony married Octavian's sister. And now the east and the west of Rome were in battle. And they were hoping that this marriage would bring, bring fidelity in and, and maybe make it so that they wouldn't have to fight each other. But now... This woman, Octavia, actually wrote down and says, my life is basically, my life is perfect. I love my husband. She adored Mark Antony. She adored her husband. But the marriage didn't calm the feud between the East and the West. And though Octavia loved her husband, she left and was loyal to her brother. And that's the way it went. Now come to the writing of the scripture. Brethren, you never leave your brethren. You're thick. You're all the way in. You're all in. And Jesus comes and says, This is my brother. This is my sister. Jesus came in and he broke a cultural mandate. And he says, Listen, you've got your family the way it's set up. But I'm telling you that in the family of God, that relationship should even be stronger than in your regular families. What a cultural thing. When he says, brethren, we need to understand that he's calling us to a deeper relationship than, good morning, how are you? Have a nice week and leave again on Sunday. He's calling us to a relationship that we get deep and we defend each other 
And I'm shaken up by this. This this is hard. You know, we're we're used to just, we see each other and some of us get along and some of us don't get along as well or whatever. and, And we're just playing this thing. But as believers in the body of Christ... Jesus came and he wanted to break our, our understanding. But the problem is we didn't have the understanding as well as in the first place. He says, you are now family. Family stick together through the thick and thin. You are brethren. And so when we hear, read in Hebrews 13:1, let brotherly love continue. This isn't just the, hey, you know, how's it going? Oh, I'm sorry about your financial difficulties. I just bought a boat. <laughs> Right? I, you know, that, that, that's, that's the way life works for us. And, and, and this message is difficult because this is the life I know. This is the culture I understand. But brothers are supposed to be there for one another, helping each other, supporting each other. And the writer says, let brotherly love continue. So I was going through this. I said, well, God, what, is it, what does it look like? And, and he led me to a, an interesting place. And this is just a text that I believe God brought me to to talk about brotherly love this morning. I don't believe it was all written specifically about brotherly love. I want to make kind of a, a, a note there. But I do believe it all applies to brotherly love. We're going to go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. And when God brought me here, I just thought it was funny. Because he tends to be funny. He made me, so he's got to be funny. Romans 12, 3, all the way to the end, I believe is a great text and a great context for for giving us an idea of what brotherly love can look like and should look like. I don't believe it's exhaustive and I don't think we'll get through all of it. I promised some people that we will be done at 11.15 and I will hold to that promise. And so we went to, I went to Romans 12, 3, and it was weird that I even went there. Well, you know, it does say brotherly love in one of the, the passages, and I, and I went, this is it. This is it. And so I want to talk about some aspects of brotherly love. I'm going to hit on some a little bit more deep, and we're going to cruise through the rest. But they're all right there in the Word for us. Aspects of brotherly love. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. We have, uh, we're, we're, we're coming up against our culture here today, this morning. We live in a time where my needs outweigh your needs. My, my needs outweigh your needs. We, we've been just brought into this over the last however many years. Very individualistic. But I believe that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And my needs don't necessarily outweigh your needs. If I'm thinking not highly of myself, I'll realize that my needs are not more important than your needs. There's a, there's a saying that I've heard and we've, we've reversed it for the most part. And the saying is, the part I play is less important than what I'm a part of. And that's, that's, that's great. That's really good for us. The part I play is less important than, the part, uh, than that which I'm a part of. We say, the part I play is more important than that what I, uh, I'm a part of. It's all about me. 
Even in worship, sometimes I think, you know, we have these songs, It's all about you. And I think we should be singing, It's all about me. Come and bless me, God. I need, I need, I need. And we're shaking up our, our understanding this morning. So I don't want to... St- well, no, I do want to step on your toes. But I want you to know my toes are out there too. And I'm going to step on them also. The part that I play is less important than that which I'm a part of. That's the beginning. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But continue on in verse 3. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Sober means right mind. It means sane. The word in the Greek. It's not just, it's not not drunk. It's right minded. When you're drunk, you're not in your right mind. That's why, that's why being drunk is wrong because you're not self-controlled. You're out of your right mind. You can't make good decisions. Think, think of yourself with sober judgment. Right mind. Now, the, there's the one side that says, don't think more highly of yourselves than you're on. But for some of us in here, we go, that's not a problem. I don't think of myself very highly at all. I'm more the type that everybody hates me, nobody likes me, I think I'm going to eat some worms and die. And, and that might be some of us in here this morning where we just, we just don't think anything of ourselves. We, we think very little of ourselves. When I hear that, you know, when I hear people going, oh, nobody likes me and I'm ugly and I'm this and I'm that, that's just, that's just crazy. You ever hear this? That's just crazy talk. Who's ever told you that when you're in a pity party? First of all, whoever has gone, had a pity party? Right? You know the problem when I have a pity party? Nobody even comes. <laughs> We have these pity parties, and, and most of us in here have had one. And, I, 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 you know, I'm going to venture and say, all of us in here have had one. Some of you just won't admit it. <laughs> We've had this pity party, and when somebody's doing that, you know, you, and from the outside we think, man, you're so talented, or you're so this, or you have this, and you've got family. And we, we can come up with all these lists. And as that pity party continues, I do this, and my wife is really good to bring me out of my pity party. You know, she helps me to see things. But what I, I the phrase that goes... In my mind, when I'm talking to people like that, and sometimes I'll say this, that's crazy talk. And I said that. That's crazy talk. Then I'll say, look at what you have. Look at the things that God has done. And I'll just, and I'll say, that's crazy talk. And I went, oh, we need to be sober-minded, which means we need to be sane. We need to not have crazy talk. We need to have sober-minded, right-thinking, right-mind. So some of us there's in there, we need to not think as highly of ourselves. But for others in here, we need, to not, we need to think more highly of ourselves. Because we're God's creation. We have something special. So it comes down to this. You are no worse than anybody else. Think of yourself with sober judgment. And you are no better than anybody else. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Get a right understanding. Get a right picture of who you are, your value. And that comes through the Word. And we could spend the whole message on this. And maybe I should, we'll do that another time because it's so important. Right thinking. But I just wrote some, some just quick parts of passages. How do you get a right picture of who you are? We need to go to the Word and say, what does it say? Is it, what does it say about us? It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm hid. The Bible tells me that I'm hidden in Christ. It tells me I'm the righteousness of Christ. You know, the Bible says that for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son because I'm part of the world. Wow. I'm special enough that God sent his son to die for me. But then, lest we get puffed up in our thinking because of all these wonderful scriptures of who we are in Christ, 
My righteousness is like filthy rags. Anything good that I produce is like dirt in the eyes of God. Because it's not about our righteousness. It's not about how good we are. It comes down to that all of our goodness comes from Christ. All of our goodness comes from Christ. And there is so much good in us because of Christ. Conversely, or, or, or adding to that, it's not conversely, when we're a Christian, all of our badness is hidden in Christ. And that's really good for some of you. No, that's really good for me. just want to make sure you're awake still. That's really good for me because my badness, I know it's not a word, but I like the word, my badness is hidden in Christ. So those things where I fall short and I'm a failure, they're not counted against me because I'm a new creation in Him. And everything that I could say, look at me, look at me, look at me, is only because I have Christ in me. It's not of my own merit. That's the sober judgment. I am so special and unique. You are so special and unique because God has created you. But all of that goodness is in Him. So we need to think of ourselves with sober judgment. How is this going to relate with brotherly love? Well, come on. How many times are we going, I'm better than them. You know, I got it all together. Man, their family's just trashed. What a... These thoughts begin to go in our mind. We need to think of ourselves with sober judgment. We need to begin to love out of that place. I have nothing good in me that Christ has not done. And all of my badness is hidden in Christ. You know the only difference between some people who who really seem to have it all together and maybe those who who don't? Their sin is just different and it's more easily, easily hidden. Their faults are more easily hidden. But I'll tell you, their wives see them. Their husbands see them. They're there. We're all in Christ. Badness hidden in Him. Goodness in and through Him. And we should love one another understanding that Christ died for me. Christ died for them. Loves them. Sacrificed. And begin to love them out of that going, God, you love them so much. That you sent Jesus to die for them. And I hate them. I belittle them. No, let it not be, church. Let's begin to look at people through the lens of the word, through the lens of understanding that they are our brethren in Christ. Romans 12, moving on. 12, 4 and 5. For, we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And again, it was so fun to go, this is a brotherly love chapter. Wow. You are a part. This is what I get at us. We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. As So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You are a part, not the whole, but a part. I'm a part of the body. I'm not the whole. I'm just a small part. I was thinking about my notes when I wrote that. You might see this, and if you were close enough, you'd say you see notes written down. You see the ink. Maybe some of you see the paper. 
But without both ink and paper, these aren't notes. That's not really good for much. Without the paper, the ink would just be in the, in the printer still. Without the ink, the paper would be blank. We're apart. Simple illustrations throughout life. This microphone I'm, I'm using, it's, it's got tons of parts and it's working today. Praise the Lord. It's got lots of, lots of parts. And all I have to do is take one part out, maybe the battery, and it's not going to work anymore. This is a $500, $600 setup. It, it was at least when we bought it. Now it's not worth that much. And take out a 99-cent battery and it doesn't work. Which part is most important? Well, I think they're all pretty important because without any of them, it's not going to work. So we're a part, but we're not the whole. This is what this this section is teaching us. We need to understand brotherly love. This morning I had a job that my wife doesn't know about yet. I walked downstairs, and I don't know what's happening, but on Saturday nights my, my dog is leaving me presents. Every Saturday night, and I have no idea why. Come, come and fix that, Marilyn, would you? You know my dog. I walk down the stairs and I go, ah. I, I had to find it. I look around and I cleaned it up. And then I took out the trash. I'll guarantee you that the part I played this morning was important to my wife. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't glamorous. But it was a necessary part. And if I wouldn't have said anything, no one would have known. It's important the part you play, even when it's that. That's not as glamorous as some of the other parts we get to play. But all of us have a role. When we look around in the family of God, everyone's important. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Oh, no. We'll go ahead and finish. I don't want to. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. First thing I want to point out in here, and and if you've got a a New King James Version like I do, some of your words are italics. I don't know if if you've got a New King James Version, you have italics in here, you go, what do those mean? The italics in the New King James Version means that it wasn't in the original text. And that they added those words to help it to be a little more clear. And so we remember, as Christians, we believe that the Word of God is inspired as it was written in the original texts. Not all translations are good. Not all translations are perfect. But I, but I believe they give us the message that God wanted to get. That's why a lot of pastors will go back and study into the Greek and Hebrew to say, what did the original text say? Now, the point I want to bring out just simply in this is that the lettuce is not there. There's no lettuce, which my kids would love. There's no lettuce in this, in this chapter in the original in the language. So we, we see it and say, we, we kind of see let us or let them even. Sometimes they say let, let them. Um, I believe some of the versions says, uh, I think NIV says let him. Says let, let him. That's the one actually when I was reading it, I said, oh, let him. And when you read that in the, in the NIV, you, you remove yourself from this passage and you say, oh, if somebody has that gift, let them do it. Oh, if they have it, let them do that. 
But I don't believe that the let is there. I mean, it wasn't there. And so the, the, the scripture is a little more obscure than that. And I think it says, if there's a gift of prophecy, prophesy. Whether it's you or me or whoever, we need to get involved in this passage. This passage wasn't written to just church leaders. It was written to the body of Christ. And there's gifts around. And so if your gift is whatever it is, do it. If my gift is whatever it is, let me do it. It's a dual meaning. We're talking about the gifts here. We need to let it happen in us and around us. I don't always want to let somebody else's gift work because some of their gifts are weird. Come on, isn't that true? We like to control our little worlds. That gift is nice, that gift is nice. I don't like that one, go away. Right? Just like it is at home. There goes Jay again. He you know, acts up and, and they bring their gifts and you go, oh, it's so silly or whatever. And you go, I'm glad we're, you know, we've got company this time. Oh, But we're brothers. We're family in Christ. And each gift is going to bring something. I want to, I would say, well, one of the things when we were watching our videos, I don't know if uh, Anita got this. We, we actually talked a little bit about it, some of us. We were watching a lot of these things happen. We had a nerd contest, right, in that, in that room right there in the kid zone. And uh, I won second place. <laughs> and and all the youth group dressed up like nerds. I didn't have to. That's why one second. And we came in and we did our little nerd routine. And um, Adam Swanson won first, and Jeff Fisher and Jim Goldman won third. But all these kids were coming dressed up and acting nerdy, and and and, and we're looking at it's the it's the whole church. We're walking in circles. Do you remember this, Pastor? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I didn't see, you might have been hiding in the back room, but, but I saw some other faces, and the whole, you know, a lot of the church was there, and I, I, it was either a Sunday night or Wednesday night service, and each of us came down, and we walked around and did our little nerd routine, and we left, and, and that was it, it was, it was ten of us, ten nerds, it took a while, and I thought, this church really let family happen. They took their service and said, oh, the kids are going to come and do something. Now, we were teenage kids. But you know when you have a family get together and a little six and seven year old, they come out and they sing songs for you and they make up little skits? That's what we were doing. And the next part of the video was us really singing. We, we did like 27 million Christmas carols. <laughs> and you'll remember that one. We did you know, all these songs and I'm listening going, oh, they let us sing for the whole church and we led in Christmas songs and it was bad there was one girl up there Melinda who she sang a solo part and you know we had one ringer she had one girl with a great voice the rest we were just making ugh and the church just sat there I remember I saw your head in there and, and your, your Kitty and Ira were there and it was family they let the family gifts operate in the moment that's what life is about. Let brotherly love continue. What gifts are around you? What gifts are in, in, in your life, in, in the brothers, in your life groups are here? We need to let those things go. Also, don't hold back your gift. Because it's going to really be joyful in the end. It's really going to be joyful in the end. If you have a gift, use it. Don't let that gift hide. That gift needs to be activated with the brothers. That's brotherly love. 
Now we have all these gifts. We have prophecy and service and teaching and encouraging, contributing, leadership and showing mercy. You go, wow, what, how are these, these gifts? There's these gifts within us and, and they need to be stirred up and we need to let them happen. Boy, is there a prophecy in here? I want to hear it. I felt like there was more this morning. I felt like there was more this morning. You know, just a small part was the prayer. And actually, the, the, the part was there before I prayed. And then I felt like I was supposed to pray because nobody was giving it after the prayer. It was supposed to stir the gift. And one of you sat in here, I believe, this morning. I'm looking all around because I'm not... I don't, God didn't show me who it was. But there was, a, there was a gift of prophecy that was supposed to come this morning. And it didn't. I, I believe that. And I saw a few heads, you know, nodding. We need to hear that. We need to hear what God is doing. Let that prophecy come. If it's you and if it's us, let's let it happen. We were, we were talking with I was talking with Margaret at the beginning of the weekend, and you know it's it's a little scary. You know, you're in a church like that, and who knows what's going to say be said. You know, you might step out and think it's a word of God, and it was the pizza you ate last night. <laughs> you know, and what was that? You know, you know they give you weird dreams and weird thoughts. The food you eat, and but you know, in family, we'll still love you because we love. Like brothers, we'll put up with your failures. And we'll correct and we'll work together until that gift is developed a little bit more. I started playing guitar when I was young. I started playing bass by the time I was eight. Um, I played in a band. We played at the American Legion. And the bass was bigger than me. And I used to sit on the stool. And, and I wasn't very good, but I played. And uh, we, we, we actually got hired by different places to play. I mean, I was playing in bars at the age of eight. My life wasn't looking good. And, um, you know, but I'd play my little notes and I'd miss some of them. But my brothers encouraged the gift. And then I started playing guitar. And, and you know, they encouraged the gift. And my, my talent, my gift has developed over the years because the people around me encouraged it. And it was encouraged here in the church. When, when Tracy, my youth pastor, found out I played guitar, which I didn't play guitar, I knew three chords and I couldn't play them very well, she made me the worship leader. Every song we did was in GCD, even if it wasn't. And my strums were, Lord, I lift your name on high. And she encouraged the gift and it developed. I'm spending way too much time. Serve. I'm glad you do. I love you. There's people in here who have a special gift of service. Let it, let it be shown. Teachers. All these things need to begin to happen more and more. And we need to allow people to be in their gifts and encourage that gift. We'll, we'll deal with it sometimes. It's like asking the kid to wash the windows. You know, you don't want to ask the five-year-old, can I help you? I go wash the windows. It's worse when they, when they end. But, you know, we in our, in our family, we let the kids do chores young and we let them mess it up because we're teaching them principles and they're being part of the family. Eventually, they do a good job. Contributing, leadership, showing mercy. Now, I want to, there's a, a note I want to make. Some of these special gifts, and these are special gifts, there's things that stir up and it's a special thing. And, and not everyone has those special gifts. Talents. These are spiritual gifts. But s- some of these are, were commanded all of us to walk in them. And it's important to, to, to get that because, 
You might say, well, my gift is not prophecy. But I believe that we can all walk in prophecy if you let God move. Well, my gift isn't serving. I believe we're supposed to all serve one another. Now, some people in here have a gift of service that like whenever there's something going on, they're there and they're cleaning and they're moving tables and they're serving. And you can hardly keep them away. You know, if you have a, you know, a, a, an event to honor the servants, good luck. Because they're going to do all the work for their, own, for their own party. And there's a special service gift. But that doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to go out and pick up a broom and, and sweep the sidewalk. Or go over and fix somebody's car if I have just a little bit of ability. So somebody's gift, though they're special, they're, they're common among all of us. And I don't want us to be able to sit back and go, I don't have any of them, so I don't have to do anything. I'll just sit and be part of the family who receives all the time. We're all called to give financially and help others out. But there are some people who just have a gift and a calling to do it. I remember before we went to Mexico, we needed a sound system for the minister. I'm sorry, to Guatemala. We, had, we needed a sound system for the ministry. And uh, a brother came up and he had this gift. And he says, hey, what do you need? I says, I don't want to tell you what I need. I said, well, we need a sound of community. He said, what do you need specifically? I said, well, you know, I started telling him. He says, you know what? Just write it down. Get a price. Tell me what the price is. So I did it. It was like $1,200. And this was in, in 2002. And I'm like, well, maybe he'll give a couple hundred bucks toward it, you know. So I walk up. I said, I did what you asked. Here it is. He says, great. He wrote the check for the whole amount and gave it to me. It went out and bought the whole sound system. He had a special gift. But that doesn't mean I get to go back and go, I'm not going to give because God didn't give me that gift. We all have it. Moving on. Mm. We have all these gifts that are supposed to be part of the body of Christ. Now what? Don't remove your gift. Don't remove your gift. Your gift has got to be there so that brotherly love can continue to see if we can grow. Your gift has to be there. Let your gift be activated and active in the body. Whatever gift it is, it might just be a battery. It might be the windscreen on the microphone or the little clip. I'll tell you how important parts are. A few weeks ago, we didn't have a clip. It looks really funny when you hold this up like a microphone and try to preach in it. So I ran upstairs and I had an extra clip from a different microphone. We put it on here. Let your gift be active. It's important. And you're going to love one another when that, that gift... I felt loved by this clip. <laughs> I'm thankful for this clip. Don't remove your gift from the body. We leave the body of Christ sometimes. We go out on our own and we stay at home. And, and, and how can we love the brothers if we're at home? We can't. The definition of the body is not a church building. So wherever you are, you're part of the body of Christ. And if you're not with other believers, you're, you are a missing part. This is plain and simple. If you're outside of fellowship and you're not regularly with other believers, now I know we're not always going to be a believer, we're supposed to be salt and light, but I'm talking about being in, in a regular fellowship, regularly with other believers, in a place that you can play your part, you're a missing part from the body. You're missing. And, it, and you need to be active. You need to come back in. And, 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 and we can do this physically. We can also do it where you're, you're here every Sunday and you go to a life group, but you're still not part. Your body's there, but you haven't activated. Your gift isn't operating. 
Let's, let's get involved so that the brotherly love can be, be felt and the part that you play, others will receive benefit from. And in turn, you will receive benefit from all the parts that they play. Does that make sense? Keep smiling. Before you feel special in being that needed special part, sometimes we can go out there and go, I've got the gift and nobody appreciates my gift. I have this special gift. Remember that you, while you're outside of that, have a lot of missing parts. You're just one part out there. Let's get our parts together. Let's get them moving. Romans 12.9, moving on. It says, love must be sincere. We see when we come in and we come into fellowship and we do this, we can only fake it for so. God says, let your love be sincere. Don't just come in and say, oh, I love you, brother. Oh, I love you, brother. And I, the reason I call you brother is for, I forgot your name. Brother, I love you. Love you. Love must be sincere. It needs to be real. And the only way it can really be sincere is if you get God's heart for people. You, you, there's some, some of you just can't love me in the natural. I have nothing in me that you want to love. So you need to pray for God's love for me so that you can see me through God's eyes and love me that way and we have to do the same with others the love and once that happens love can be sincere there's people and, and I know this to be true in my life and others I've, I've talked to that we, we're just tolerating each other we're acting like we love but as God moves upon our heart He can actually change our heart to where we have true love. Now, that doesn't mean you like them all the time. Who has ever had their heart changed for someone that they did not like, they did not love, and somehow along the way, they actually truly began to love them? Some of you raise your hand and say, that was my husband. No. Um, but it's true. It's true. God does that. It has to be sincere, and it can't be sincere until God births it inside of us. Ask for his heart. Ask to see your brothers the way God sees them. And I, you know, I suppose lip service is better than no service at all. I love you. You know, that's better than saying I hate you. But God knows the difference. And work doesn't get done until the love is real. So when we lip service one another, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, but we don't really, no work is going to be accomplished in the kingdom. We can't, we're not functioning as part of the body. We're just giving lip service. The love needs to be sincere. Hate what is evil. Same verse. Hate what is evil. How do you learn to hate what is evil? You need to see the world through God's eyes and not through our own filters. We don't hate enough evil. The world's taught us to love it. When I was young, 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 I was, I, I was trapped into the thing that I was even supposed to love Satan in God's way. Do you remember that term? I hate them, but I love them in God's way. Uh, kids used to say that all the time. And I was going, well, he, I'm supposed to love everyone. The world wants us to love everything and everyone. And we need to hate what is evil. Now, granted, people aren't evil. They're moved along by an evil force. But we need to hate that evil force that's moving them along. We need to begin to really despise it. Instead of playing patty cake with it, say, I hate the sin that you're in so much that I'm not going to let you be part of that sin anymore. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you out of that sin because I hate it. I ha- it's okay to hate sin. It's okay to abhor it. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let the love be sincere. God, help us to really begin like, once again to hate the evil so that we don't become any part of that. And as we do that, how, does that, how is that brotherly love? Because when you have a brother who's caught in a sin and you 
only love them and accept them and really never talk about the, the, the dangers of that sin, you don't hate that sin enough to realize it's going to take them to hell, you let that brother stay in that sin. Because you don't hate that sin. And you've realized you're just going to love them. Well, love them and at the same time, hate the sin. So much that, you know, if you think they're going out to the bar, you drive to the bar first and you hang out in front of the door. You just wait there. I guarantee you, when they pull up, they're not going to go in. How you doing? Oh, I was just passing. They're going to leave. Hate it so much that you save people. That's brotherly love. Hate the evil. Be devoted. Romans 10, 12, 10. We're going to fly by through the rest. And, and that's what I wanted to do. It was part of my notes, believe it or not, because these are, these are good. Because they self-explanatory. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Let's get our devotion levels up. Let's really be devoted to one another. Not just lip service, but helping and walking with each other. Some of these have already been covered. He says, honor one another above yourselves. When you have a sober judgment of yourself, you're going to honor other people's gifts. And you're going to say, you know, it's not important that I get the honor. It's your turn to get the honor right now. I remember being in New York City and uh, doing an outreach. And I was an 18-year-old little punky kid. And I was out just doing all this cool street ministry. And Chuck Gerard was there. And some of you know Chuck Gerard, so if you do, it might make a difference. He, he was a, you know, a famous Christian artist from the 70s, love song. And, and he was there, and he was going to come and lead us in worship. So we're all sitting around, and we're all looking at Chuck to lead us in worship right before we started the meeting. And he looks at me, and he says, Rob, why don't you lead us in worship today? So my little three chords, no, by then I knew a few more than three. And, and so I led Chuck Gerard. He accompanied me playing keyboard in, in worship. He honored me above himself. That was an awesome... That, that impacted my life. And I went, that's what we need to be doing. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I went, okay, God, how is this even part of brother love? You know, sometimes it's important for us to be really zealous and fervent around other people so that they can get out of their muck and mire. There's a time to sit with them and, and listen. But there's a time that we need to keep that spiritual fervor going so that our excitement will begin to help them to get out of their muck and mire. Be zealous. Be fervent for the Lord. Worship Him. Serve Him. Help others to see. Last week when, when Pastor Rick was here and he was worshiping and he was just... It inspired me more. It was a wonderful moment. Let's do that with one another. Because when we can begin to get out of our muck and mire ourselves and worship and be a little more zealous for God, those problems when we walk out of the door are a lot less than they were the night before. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Sorry about your problems. You want to go out on my new boat? Brotherly love, let's share with people. Let's really begin to say, God, how can we really help? Show us. Practice hospitality. Some people need to be brought into a family where there's love and joy and, and a good meal. Or a bad meal. But, but there's something in your house that you might need to be practice a little bit of hospitality and bring somebody in and love them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And I know that this isn't specifically written to brethren, but I'll tell you, I've been persecuted in the church plenty of times by brothers. And you know what? Let's bless them back. Let's bless them if they persecute us. Let's act in brotherly love. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. There's a time we, we go and we just mourn with people. We rejoice with others. It's important. A lot of us, we don't want to hear about people's problems. Go, oh, I'm so sorry about your day. I've got to go. Go and mourn with somebody for a while. Just sit and cry with them. It's real heartache. And that's what brothers can do and, and family members can do in a way that other people can't. We can pray, God, help me to do that. Live in harmony with one another. Even when there's discord, we can come into to harmony. We can have disagreements, but we can still love each other and work in harmony. Again, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people in low position. Don't think more highly of yourself. Verse 18, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know that simply means always try to be the bigger person. Develop a style enough you're always going to be the bigger person in your own. And not to say, I'm bigger, I'm going to make the first phone call. I'm going to apologize first. I'm going to forgive first. And if we'll all do that, we'll love one another. We'll live in harmony in an amazing way. And finally, closing this. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to have brotherly love. He doesn't. Because kingdom principles are at work in brotherly love. God showed us the example of how He loved us and how He came and He served us. Kingdom principles are being lived out when you practice brotherly love. And it's a higher love that you can attain naturally. It's a spiritual love because you have to work through. It's not a flesh. There's no blood relation. You've got to get the heart of God. You've got to get the bloodline of Christ moving to say, I'm going to begin to treat you like a brother, not just a modern day brother. I'm going to be committed to you all the way through. And because of that, the devil hates it. The devil hates brotherly love. He can have his way in a church if he'll just come in and bring a little bit of discord and individualism or we all come, we all face forward, we, we do our little singing, we go home and we never affect and infect one another. The devil has had his way. The devil hates brotherly love. So close with this verse. Church, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Dear Jesus, I've preached to myself this morning in some ways. Lord, I need your heart and understanding to love in a more deep fashion my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I need a a heart transplant and, and a mind transplant to understand that the part I play is less important than that of which I'm a part of. God, and that I need to honor others. And I know, Lord, that throughout this room, there's relationships that are broken within the body of Christ. This message has been hard. God, I pray that you would begin to help us to love brothers more than we have. Lord, it would, it would continue. It would grow stronger each day. God, that we would come to your word and come to you and say, God, I'm trying, but I need your help. You know, sister so-and-so, it's really hard. Work on our hearts, God. Help us to see them with eyes of understanding that come from you and eyes of passion, care, and concern. 
God, your eyes. Lord, I pray that we would see more unity, more community within the body of Christ right here. God, as some of us are meeting in life groups, that more and more of us would come together in small groups. These small bands, these life groups throughout the community to love and practice these things. But God, when we had come together, we would realize and recognize that we're part of a bigger body. And this would be like the family reunion each week. Let us love one another. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive us for our anger and bitterness towards one another today. Remove that bitterness. Give us new hearts. Lord, I do truly thank you for this body and the part that I get to play. I pray that I'd get to know and love each part more deeply than I know now. Stir this in our hearts and our lives throughout this week, God, and continue and continue in Jesus' name. Amen. Love must be insincere. Yeah. Twelve nine.